0: Welcome to the Love and Light Live podcast, empowering crystal lovers and spiritual entrepreneurs to learn and experience the art of crystal healing. Get ready to listen in and join our crystal movement. And thank you so much for joining me for the Love and Light Live podcast brought to you by loveandlightschool.com. I'm your host, Ashley Levy, and this podcast is the number one place for all things crystals, where crystal lovers and spiritual entrepreneurs can learn and experience the art of crystal healing. In today's show, I am interviewing the amazing Nicolette Souder from Wilder Child. Now, if you don't know about Wilder Child They have a really beautiful mission, and it's all about reconnecting kids to the world around us, reconnecting kids with nature. But it's not just a place for children. It's also a place for parents um, and really for anyone who wants to help influence and impact our youth. So Nicolette has a beautiful site that's full of tools and resources, helping families, especially teach their kids about the natural world. And in today's interview, we're talking about that importance of our relationship with nature, not only for children, but for ourselves as well, and how we can inspire one another to connect with the natural world. And of course, this includes crystals, but we're also talking about lunar energy, plants, animals, and it's just a really beautiful conversation, a really important discussion that we're having, and I hope that you will get just as much out of it as I did. So without further ado, I'll turn it over to my interview with the amazing Nicolette. Hi, everyone. Thank you so much for tuning in to today's show. I am thrilled to be interviewing Nicolette Souder from Wilder Child. And if you don't know Nicolette, you really should get familiar with her and her community. She leads this amazing community for those who are really passionate about raising a wilder child and getting back to nature with their children. So Nicolette, hi, and thank you so much for being here.
1: Hi, thank you so much for having me on. I'm so excited.
0: Well, Nicolette, could you start by telling our listeners a little bit about yourself and your mission and how you got started with Wilder Child?
1: Sure. Um, So right now, I live with my husband and my two little girls, and we're wild schooling on 60 acres in Michigan, and we actually run a pastured farm. Um, and but it wasn't. We weren't always here. This we moved here four years ago, or actually it's like five and a half now. I, it's gone so fast, but so much has been packed in in such a small <laughs> amount of time. Um, so we moved from Northwest Indiana, and it was really like a satellite suburb outside Chicago. So we did have a little bit of property, but um, it's it was just it, when once we moved here. I mean, we are surrounded by nature. So um, I always grew up, you know, appreciating nature and my parents always really in, really instilled that value with me. But when I got here, just us being dominated by nature, just all the way around and having such a close relationship with our animals, um, and then that kind of matching up with when my, um, I had my one-year-old, my daughter's now almost six, I can't believe it, but when we came here, she was one. And it just had such a profound impact on me um, being in this environment with her that I felt I really had to start writing about it. And I think that's how a lot of um, bloggers start is this relation, especially, you know, um, air quotes, mommy bloggers (laughs) starting, you know, with trying to express this just totally transformational experience that you're having with your children. And it was just doubled over with, us being um, really with mother nature as what I like to think of now as the third parent. Um, so this whole experience was mind blowing. I felt like I had to write about it and then it became so much bigger than me. Um, and it just feel like there was just parents just wanted to talk about it. Um, talk about how to reintegrate Nate that, you know, really that, Rebond and heal that bond um, with nature, and what did it look like from a parenting perspective? Because I feel like at that time there was a lot of uh, nature based education information, um, but there wasn't that much about it in the parenting context. So that's really where Wilder Child has moved um, and really, really speaks. You know, that's really my passion is working with parents and working with families.
0: You know, I think this is such an interesting story because you had this experience growing up yourself as a child who was very connected to nature and and not just something that you were interested on your own, but that your parents really encouraged. And then when you became a parent yourself, it sounds like it was almost kind of not only, you know, about creating this connection for your own child, but also in some ways, maybe kind of a reconnection for yourself and learning to understand the natural world in a different way through a parent's eyes.
1: Oh my gosh, that's exactly what it was like. Um, What the role of nature, you know, how it plays out and how it fits into your parenting life is a very special and it's a very different thing you know, you're in a completely different energy when you're growing up. And I think you tend to miss a few things. Like it's so immersive when you're a child and it's so instinctual Um, that connection with nature. It almost goes unacknowledged. Not, I don't mean that in a bad way. It just is, you know, mother nature sort of always with you while you're there. And then um, now Mother Nature's really become much more of a uh, a support system for me that I fully am able to appreciate and acknowledge. Well, actually every day I'm like more and more thankful and more and more aware of, of the role that, it, you know, she's playing in my life.
0: Sure. That's so beautiful. And, you know, I'm not a parent myself, but I remember spending So many days as a kid, like it just used to be a little different, I think, for many people. And, you know, I can remember making little mud pies in the backyard and, and Put, you know, picking little clovers out of the grass and tying them together in a little chain, so I could wear them as a necklace or a little crown on my head, and you know, learning about wildflowers and things with my grandfather. And I do think that that's missing for so many kids today. And I just want to say, I'm so thankful and grateful that you have created a community and a space for parents to come together. And learn from one another and share and and support each other and helping reconnect with nature and helping their children find this important connection. Because I know for a fact, it's one of the things that really, truly inspired and shaped and molded the person that I am today. And I think that many people who have that connection as children, have that takeaway into their adolescence and well into adulthood. They maintain the lessons that they learned during that time. So I just have to like give you a big round of applause <laughs> and a lot of gratitude for what you're doing.
1: Oh, uh, well, it's the community is unbelievable. I mean, I, you know, it's only gotten that way because of them. Um, I, you know, it's really that, I'm holding a space, but the community is just filling it with life. So it's been incredible to kind of reconnect to something because I think sometimes we get nature fed up to us and sort of, and it's, I think it's almost done by accident. It's like a, a commodification of nature. So you're always talking about like the benefits and what it can do for <laughs> you and all these images of like consumption, like what's the best trail and um, all that's valid. And I, I understand, like I, you know, I've talked about mother nature that way too, but um, there's this other dimension to it that is like it's the relationship like you were talking about when you were little and making uh, the daisy chains and and then your relationship matures and it grows just like a real relationship um and I think that's something that wilder child and wild schooling uh, this the other group of families that I'm you know uh walking with is really what we're getting back to and it's an it's an ancient thing. It's this isn't anything new. It's just um getting past that that mindset is so difficult to break.
0: That's so true. I think that is so true. And, and instead of treating nature like this commodity and thinking about what we can get from it, I love how you're kind of Turning that kind of modern view of that relationship on end and really looking at a way that we can teach kids to live in harmony with nature. And I love that you refer to nature as kind of the third parent, because I think that that's a really um, innovative and exciting way to kind of approach this relationship. So uh, for everyone listening, they know that, you know, mostly on this podcast, we tend to talk about crystals, but we always kind of like to frame these things in a new and exciting way. And I was so happy to get to talk to you because we haven't really gotten to touch on working with crystals with our children. And so I wanted to know from your point of view, um, given that you have this really beautiful perspective why do you think it's so important for kids to connect with different aspects of nature like crystals and the moon and why is why is this so important for their development and the relationship with the natural world and for really just who they become
1: <laughs> well i think we have a tendency to really put our kids into we really keep them in the human world. So we value their, you know, when we talk about their friends, we're always talking about their human friends. When we're talking about the places they like to go, we're often talking about the places that humans have, you know, developed and designed and created. And basically what we're doing is keeping them and ourselves inside of a human paradigm. And so that really is so limiting so you really, I mean, when you're going out into nature, the diversity is astounding. Um, and you're talking about having our children learn from wisdom that is just thousands and thousands and thousands, you know, billions of years old. I mean, you're getting that kind of infor- that kind of information and that kind of um, education. You almost, I can't even believe that we all, we leave it out almost completely. Um, so, like kids. For, for children, if we hold the space and we know how to serve as a guide, the the stones, I mean, the trees, the animals, that the plants that the children are encountering, those bonds, although we we we, we often cannot see it like this because we ourselves as adults do not remember or have never experienced having this kind of connection, is that those those are like their friends. <laughs> those are, they're learning just as much from those individual, uh, the pulse and the signature from the signature of each of those things as they would anything in our human world. So to answer your question, I feel like we're, we're denying them a diversity of um, which is what we do all over the place. Like we do that with our own diets. I mean, if you look at like the banana you know, there used to be so many different types of bananas. Now there's just one all across right. the world. We, we eat the same type of banana. <laughs> I'm really conscious of this as a farmer. Um, so we bring that kind of mentality all all over. Like we put it, it's like, I can see the patterns everywhere. So um, we want our children to have a rich, diverse life and one that's actually connected to their biology. And that is that is nature. And um crystals and the moon and those are all I feel like um, I can talk more specifically to those but those are definitely just facets of mother nature that that the children are just designed to learn from and grow from
0: yeah Well, let me ask you then a little more specifically, what are some of your favorite ways to help kids get more connected with crystals and how can we really introduce crystal healing or or just a connection to stones as companions to kids? Mm. Well, I think they naturally have it. Um, I always did.
1: (laughs) So I think it's just, uh, you know, I just, oh my gosh, I just always have been drawn to just like so many kids stones rocks gems crystals just keeping them in my pockets keeping them everywhere and my kids do the same thing um so it's about i think having a level of awareness and just nurturing that. And again, holding a space for that. So we do that through um, a couple different ways. We do it through nature tables. So if you, if um, anybody out there haven't heard what doesn't know what a nature table is, um, it's just a little, you know, it's exactly what it sounds like. It's just like a little area of your house. It, it doesn't have to be big, but it could be just like a little windowsill or a little bit just like a little table that, changes with the season. So for us, actually the fairies come the night before the solstices and the equinoxes, and they actually change the nature table. So we keep, um, little, like whatever's from the outside, whatever's from that season, we'll bring it in. So for the fall, we would probably have black walnuts and, um, I have like a little silk that is the colors of the season and little yarn figurines and then I always there's always a book there and then there's always water um I do a gem essence water for each for each one um of the seasons and then there's always we always have our moonstone there and then a, a stone that represents the season so like for summer it was citrine for us Um, and then I always try to keep a stone that's not just representative of the the season, but something that you might actually need during that season. So like for us, it was hematite because my oldest daughter tends to get like, ah, in summer, she just, (laughs) you know, she just like just to the max and we're in Michigan. So we go nutty in the summer. Like we just try to fit so much in. I always have to remember to try to ground ourselves a little bit into it. So it's not just like what is representative, but what you think might be helpful and they just play with it. So that's, that's like the nature table aspect. Um, So that's a little bit more of me putting like my choices onto it, but we also have a peace basket, which is more of a meditative basket that has lavender, Play-Doh and, healing sprays that uh that the the liquid is a gem essence and then i use essential oils and then i just put a couple crystals in there and stones that just like kind of an array um and so because i really want it to be something that they choose and like what are they drawn towards rather than me putting myself onto it but if i see that like my youngest is is sensitive um you know, if we could put a label on it. <laughs> and so if she's having an extra sensory day, I might put amethyst in there, um, or something like that. Like I might put a stone in there that I think might help and they can just kind of play with it. But what I don't do is really super direct what, uh, what their stones are. Cause I do feel like it's such a personal choice.
0: So you're really giving them room and time for a little bit of kind of creative play as part of this. And I'm just Mm -hmm. curious with the peace basket now, is this something that kind of is out all the time near the nature table? Or is this something that um, is more like an activity where they have time with this a couple times a week? Or is this like always at their disposal?
1: It's always out. We talk about it. Uh, We go through, we have little discs on it that um, are mindful moments. So they're kind of like little yoga movements, but they're just, they're little, yeah, they're just little mindful moments. There's a little animal on it on the back. There's like a little description. You know, if you're feeling this, you can do this. That's in there. They're just out all the time, just to kind of remind them that, um, you know, there's a little scarf in there that they hold up and they can breathe onto it. Because, like, kids don't know about that they are breathing. (laughs) I still forget that (laughs) I'm breathing. So just a little something to remind them. So yeah, that's just kind of a constant. The nature table changes. um, Yeah, so and these are just things that are very... Uh, what is it? They're just always fluid. They're always, so they're always bringing new things into the nature table. And then they also have their own stones that they collect that are really special to them because, you know, I think we have a tendency to put a lot of labels onto stones. um, But what's awesome is like, what are the stones that they're finding that are powerful for them for whatever reason? Like, um, you know, they've really formed a connection with these. So I think it's important to have, even besides the nature table or or like a little they have their own little treasure chest that's each theirs. And I guess there's a reverence in our family around stones. So that's something that I feel I've modeled and then um, not pushing it on them either. I've said some people believe. So there's this notion of like I'm not pushing this on to them, but they know that I find they they see I have a little altar and I organize things court, you know, I add things according to, like, I have my own nature table, but paid table basically. Sure. Um, so they see me modeling, but they don't see me pushing it onto them.
0: And I love the lessons here because, I mean, even as adults, I think sometimes when people are thinking about crystals they want to work with, they get so caught up in the quote-unquote rules about how to work with crystals, or they're so afraid of (laughs) doing something wrong. And kids are so much more fearless when it comes to that. We can really kind of take a note, take a lesson from that, and really just kind of tune in to um, what we're feeling called to work with and just be open and present in the moment and, you know, kind of reach for what calls our attention. And I just love this. Um, So kind of along the same lines, then how are some ways that we can get kids connected with the lunar energy? I know that you just kind of came out with a little annual program that has to do with the moon. Can you tell us a little bit about that?
1: Sure. We're um, about eight cycles in. So one, there was all these big shifts that when we came to, to the farm that happened, but it still didn't feel quite, there was, well, I guess, how can I explain it? I really felt like something was off because the more we got into nature and that rhythm, the more our other structures and systems felt that they didn't fit anymore. Sure. Um, and I don't think that necessarily that, that can definitely happen in the city. It just happened for me here. Um, but I, I definitely, I used to live in Chicago and I feel like if it had been the right time for me and if I had been able to be a guide at that time or been guided at that time, I think I could have totally tuned into this. I just want to tell everybody that because I know half the world's urban, you know? Um, so, I really once we started to sync up with the moon cycles, that's when things began to really flow. Um, and I had a, I have, a, I have a local group here, a moon collective of women. We meet every single full moon, and it's so nourishing and it's so wonderful. So that was all happening at the same time that I was celebrating the full moons with the kids and with my family. Um, and I cannot recommend this enough because basically we, um, we are driven, like our society is driven by the clock and the calendar. The calendar is solar, but there's not necessarily a break. It's just like pure fire just keeps pulling you forward. And so we have all these things that we try to do, like yoga and um, and even, even stones and, and plants, because I, I love dealing with plants and you try all these things. But the issue is that the backbone that we lay our entire life on is not aligned with a softer, gentler rhythm. And so that's where the moon comes in. And obviously we haven't like completely ditched the calendar or anything. That's not what I'm saying, but um, we really are way more aligned with the moons now. And it's not even in a complex way. It's, and it draws on what we're ancient cultures and native tr- and in the native tradition. So this is, again, this is all old stuff. Not, you know, I haven't really made any of this up at all. Um, so what we do is every full moon we celebrate, we have a party, and we name each full moon. We decided to choose uh, go with the Algonquin names for every full moon, um, because that's really close to our biome. But there are literally hundreds of names that you could choose from. You could also choose your own, but I think before you get into that, it's good to like walk the journey once with, with names that are sort of commonly accepted. So for example, we just had the buck moon and the next one is the sturgeon moon and they're named after phenology or things that are happening in the environment. So um, at that time, basically the full moon is characterizing the entire month. So that's how that's working. Um, And once you're in that rhythm, that is so connected to nature. uh, And we really try to focus our projects on the upswing. So, you know, on the waxing and then on the waning, we're really breathing out. Um, Obviously it doesn't always work like that with life, but we really are, I'll say, there's just a gentle awareness And it's not like, oh, my gosh, suddenly our life is wonderful. Suddenly everything's working. Um, It's not like that. It's more like we're able to see patterns that we never have seen before as a family. So I think that's more uh, what it's been about for us and every new moon. I actually sit down because the, the full moon is a family affair. You know, it's a community. It's a celebration. You're at the height of it's all about abundance and um, celebrating that. But for me, I take the new moon. I have a conversation with the kids and we talk about what it means to set intentions and look ahead, which is a great, um, which is just a great practice for kids to be able to try to do that. And then um, to also to have a voice, you know, and like what's going to happen because kids are so, they just, their lives are dominated by the choices that we make. So this gives them a sense of power. And then I go out by myself and make my little Moondala, which is just nothing fancy, but I just put a circle together with whatever. I walk around the yard and pick um, just things that are drawn, that draw me in because like we were talking about before, like these things that. Like when a child is drawn to a stone, it says some, it's something so profound to be able to have, that's like the relationship for them. Um, So, and like what we are drawn to, it says something about what we need and who we are at that moment. Um, Like the fact that you're going to go towards this versus this says something about where you're at. And there's a relationship between you and the nature at that moment um, so I do that and then I choose some stones to really want, I, I try to keep things simple because I don't know if you feel like this, but if I overcomplicate things, um, a lot of people will call in the directions, but okay, I'm going to be totally honest with you, with you here. Like as a mom uh, of two girls and running the farm, I don't really have that much time. So it's like a miracle way I could like sit out there and make these and do this. Absolutely. So what I do is I just pick two stones. It's like, okay, I'm just going to keep this simple. Um, so I just pull one stone that represents really the season and the biome and where I'm at right then with, with that and what's calling to me in the season. And then I pick another stone that is that is the intention for that upcoming cycle. So just two stones, and then I just sit with it for a while. I usually take a picture just because my memory is just gone—total <laughs> mommy brain. Um, so that's the way. I hope I—I I, I just talked like so much. I'm sorry, no, but this is it, it's right. kind—it's a
0: little bit. <laughs> it's so but you that's have- really
1: how. Um,
0: Yeah, you have like this thing that you're doing that really is so inclusive of the whole family. I love the concept of a full moon party because how simple is that? And what a good time for celebration. You know, the full moon is when everything is coming Together when we're manifesting and finally calling in right at that peak moment, like everything that we've been doing since the time of the new moon, since we've set those intentions. And how fun to have everybody kind of participate in that celebration and really make it something special and just to take that time. Once a month to have, like, kind of a planned family evening that's kind of devoted to celebration and joy and togetherness, and then to involve your kids in the new moon intention setting. I think that is so special because, like you said, kind of giving them a voice and an opportunity to participate in something. Um, that is so empowering. I think it probably does loads for their self-confidence, but also just helps them feel more connected and more a part of what's going on. But then I also really like that you have this aspect that's also just for you as a mom. You know, it's, it's your mm-hmm. time to kind of reflect and set intention and maybe think and consider what everyone has shared during the family intention setting, and then you're kind of going out and starting to call it into being with your mundala. So thank you so much for sharing that. I, I think that was amazing, just um, how simple it can really be.
1: Yeah, it's, uh, thank you. It's really been wonderful to have that kind of, um, to live inside of that cycle and to market with some sort of you know, to really market and take the time to do that has been amazing. And, and I feel like if I don't have the time to do that, then I'm, I'm then something else has to go. Because if we don't have time to live inside some sort of natural cycle, that something is going on there, something we have to look at. So it also gives you the chance, it gives you something to measure up against, like, am I able to participate in this, like, in this that is so fundamental to me as a human and if I cannot and as as you know for my nourish my family this way then um the calendar the typical you know the traditional calendar doesn't really give you a chance to even reflect on that but the nature of of lunar cycles is that they are they do go you go through those phases so they're the most amazing metaphor they're such an accurate Reflection and representation of how life truly is, Um, and for to be for kids to be able to learn that when they're young, and to take those breaths and to be able to use nature as an anchor is unbelievable. I mean, but this is how people used to live. Like you know, they some tribes weren't planting their seeds until until the right star came and to align at the right place in the sky, you know, so it's just like, it's so, it's so foreign to us, but it's actually so fundamental to us as humans.
0: That's so true. Well, I have to just say, you know, Nicolette, thank you so much for taking the time to share all of these amazing insights with everyone who's been listening today. And I just really appreciate you being here.
1: Oh, thank you so much for for letting me talk about I'm so passionate about this and about um helping families on this journey. So it's a gift for me to be able to talk about it and it helps me be able to um you know figure it out myself too. So thank you.
0: And to all of you listening, I hope that you were inspired today by what Nicola had to share and that you have some amazing takeaways that you can integrate into your own family and that you can start to share with your children. Thank you so much for listening and crystal blessings. I hope that you enjoyed today's interview, I hope you found a lot of value in today's show, and if you want more information about anything I discussed in this episode, of course you can learn more over on the website at loveandlightschool.com blog, and if you did enjoy the show today, the biggest compliment you can give me is to leave a quick rating and review over at loveandlightschool.com slash iTunes. And while you're there, don't forget to subscribe through that link as well so you never miss a future episode. That brings us to the end of this episode of the Love and Light Live podcast. I'm your host, Ashley Levy, and I'll be back with you in our next episode. Until then, crystal blessings. The Love and Light Live podcast is a production of the Love and Light School of Crystal Therapy.